If you would turn today to the book of Judges, chapter 6. Judges, chapter 6. I'll just pause and, and say I, I really do appreciate those of you who lead in the music in our worship service. Uh, I don't pause and say that very much because my mind's focused on the sermon that I'm about to preach. But in the Old Testament, Saul, when he was in a rage, the only thing that could calm his spirit was music. Oftentimes, music brings us into the presence of God, and I really do appreciate those of you who serve so much, not only with your talent, but I I appreciate your willingness to serve and the time and effort that you put into it, for we are blessed as a church to to have you, and and I wanted to say thank you sincerely. This morning, as I was thinking about the the, the sermon I was going to preach, I've been in a number of churches uh, that had children's sermons, and some of y'all might have experienced this in your time before. I'm not very good at them, uh, so I usually try to tag a, a member of the church to do them. I mean, I, I have certain strengths. One of my strengths is not to sit on the floor and come up with an object lesson for a child. I mean, it's just not me. Uh, but there's been a number of churches who love this because, I mean, for a number of reasons. You get to see the cute little kids up front. Uh, you get to watch them, and that's enjoyable for parents and grandparents, and, and you get to watch all that. And, and it's also like kind of like, like a live taping of the um, children say the darndest things, because uh, you never know what's going to come out of their mouth. Uh, so it's kind of kind of humorous at times. I mean, we're pretty safe with church kids, because no matter what question you ask church kids, Jesus is the answer. Uh, you ask them what a gray animal with a bushy tail that lives in trees are, and they're going to say Jesus. I mean, they've just been trained. That's going to be the answer, so you're safe. But every now and then you get a kid who's not been in church, and you don't know what they're going to say. So it makes it intriguing, it makes it interesting, it's exciting and all that, but it's just not my cup of tea. And, and But I have enjoyed some. I've enjoyed them because of what the kids said, and I've enjoyed them because of what the lessons are. And I can remember one children's sermon that was done that just kind of stuck out in my mind, and, and it was a, a children's uh, sermon that was taken out of the book of Jonah. Uh, but it was very different than what we typically teach out of the book of Jonah. Usually we focus on the big fish that swallowed him, him being vomited up on the seashore, and all those things. But if you'll remember toward the end of the, uh, the book of Jonah, Jonah is out in the desert. And, and there's a blistering heat that is upon Jonah. And God provides a tree to come up to give Jonah shade. Uh, and Jonah appreciates the shade mightily. But that night, God calls upon a worm to go and devour the tree. And overnight, the worm devours the tree, and it shrinks and shrivels, and Jonah gets pretty agitated and aggravated and all that. Well, well, this children's sermon focused on the worm. Never heard anything focused on the worm in Jonah. I mean, the big fish is one thing, but the worm, never heard of it. But he talked about how, could you imagine this little bitty worm, this itty-bitty worm, God coming to that worm and saying, I need you to go and I need you to eat that plant. A plant big enough to shade a man. And, and, and the point of the lesson was that sometimes God calls us to great and mighty things that sometimes we ourselves might not even think we could accomplish. How do we actually take on those great and mighty things? How do we take on this vast call that God gives us? And the point was that the worm devoured the bush only by taking one bite at a time. Now, you might not be all that impressed. Worms eat my tomato plants like crazy, so a big bush might be nothing for them. But it does make sense that sometimes we are called to these great and mighty and wonderful things that we can't even imagine ourselves completing. 
And the only way that we can do it is take one bite at a time. In other words, we take one step at a time and we go forward from there. Many times in our life, I think God will call us to great works. He will want us to accomplish mighty things in his name. And they will be so far beyond us. I think oftentimes what hinders us is we lack the faith to take that one step at a time. We lack the faith to follow when the call is so great and so grand. Here in the book of Judges, we'll talk about a man named Gideon. Uh, And just to give you a brief background, God has already called Gideon to his work. Uh, He finds Gideon hiding out in a cave, threshing wheat so that the enemy will not see it. And if you'll remember the story, the angel comes to Gideon and says, You great man of valor. And basically says that God has called you to right the wrongs of Israel. And Gideon does not want this call. Gideon wanted God to solve the problems. Gideon wanted the people of Israel to be free. Gideon wanted the Midianites to go away. But Gideon didn't want to be the one in charge of getting that to happen. But God called him. And and Gideon has gone out at this point And he's destroyed the altar of Baal. And the, they people have turned against him. And there's a number of things that have transpired in him beginning his ministry there in Israel. I want to read two common stories out of the life of Gideon. One of them is the fleece, uh, as he puts it out, to test the will of God. And the other one is the story about him going down to actually fight the Midianites. If you would look in chapter 6, we'll begin at the very end of chapter 6 in verse 36. And we'll conclude the end of 6 and then we'll go into the beginning of 7. Chapter 6 of the book of Judges, beginning in verse 36, says... Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early in the, uh, the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry. All the ground was covered in dew. Here's a famous story. God has called Gideon, and God has already done a few mighty works in Gideon. And yet, here's Gideon being called by God. He's about to have to face off with the Midianites. He's about to have to face off with those that God has called him to expel from the land. And Gideon is saying, God, if I'm really the one, if I'm the one that you want to do this, give me a sign. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay a fleece out on the ground. And what I want you to do is I want you to make that fleece soaking wet with dew, but the ground around it be completely and utterly dry. Gideon goes to bed, he wakes up, he gets up, and the fleece is soaking wet. It says that he wrung the fleece out, and and there was a bowl of water that came out of the fleece, and the ground around it was completely and utterly dry. Now, you would think, if you put God to the test in this way, and God actually answered the test in such a manner, you would go, wow, all right. Now, Gideon, Gideon says, God, don't get angry with me. He asked that because he knows pretty much God should get angry with him. Because here's God answering his request, giving him a sign and saying, I am with you. My hand is upon you. And Gideon yet again says, one more time, God, I need a little bit more confidence. I am shaking here. I'm doubting yet again. 
Let's reverse things. Maybe this was a freak of nature. Maybe this was an anomaly. So we'll just reverse the criteria. Instead of making the fleece wet this time, God, will you make the fleece dry and the ground around it soaked? Goes to bed. Next morning he gets up. The fleece is as dry as it could be. And the ground all around it was soaked with dew. Oftentimes, God calls us to do all kinds of things. We don't know exactly what those things are. Sometimes I think we waste the call of God trying to figure out exactly where we need to be and what we need to be doing when the scriptures tell us pretty much what we need to be about. Guys, the call of God is a pretty simple thing in our life. The call of God is to love other people and love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. If you are doing that, you are answering the call of God in your life. But if you are doing that, then God will continue to do great and mighty things through you. Part of what we have to do is we have to prepare ourselves for the things that God wants us to do. What does it mean to prepare ourselves? We have to get an understanding of his word. We have to understand his revelation. We have to continue to work on our relationship with God so that we might do the great things that he's called us to. And I can promise you there are things that he wants you to do in life that you cannot foresee coming right now. Martin Luther, who joined a monastery to become a great Catholic monk, Never envisioned breaking with the Catholic Church. He didn't know that would be his call in life. That was not exactly what he was working toward. He didn't even want a degree in theology at a the time. He was going to be a lawyer. And got involved in a lightning storm and told God if he saved him from that lightning storm, then he would surrender to the ministry. Ended up going in a monastery, being trained, and he focused so much of his life on the study of God's word and on prayer and making his relationship with God right. Eventually, when it came to the Protestant Reformation, he had prepared himself to be used for the call of God in his life. Some of us are not using time wisely to prepare ourselves for what God needs us to do later in life. So when the call of God comes, we have not done the adequate preparation that we need. Gideon shows us another step. Gideon shows us that sometimes when God calls us, and maybe we have even been prepared for the task at hand, we don't have the faith to step. Guys, I bet there's a bunch of us who would love to put a fleece outside of our door when God calls us to do things and say, are you really talking to me? How can I be certain that you want me to do this? And it's not because we're really unsure that God wants us to do it. It's that we don't have the faith to do it. Because sometimes we can't believe that God is calling us. God has put his hand upon us to accomplish these things. Why, Why wouldn't he call somebody else? Why wouldn't he call someone else? Sometimes God calls us in the most awkward circumstances where we don't feel like we have a whole lot to offer. Think of Moses. Moses is put in a basket in a river, floats into the arms of royalty, is raised in a palace, position of authority under Pharaoh. God does not call him in the midst of royalty to change Egypt. He waits until he is exiled, goes across the desert and becomes a shepherd to appear to him in a burning bush and says, go back to Egypt and change Egypt. In my mind, when I read that story, it just makes so much more sense to allow him to be raised in the palace, give him a position of authority and allow him to shift and and change Egypt through a political structure. 
But God waits till he's a shepherd all the way across the desert to give him the call to go back. And it is done in a much mightier way. Sometimes when God calls us is not when we think he should. We don't feel prepared. We don't feel adequate. Think of Moses yet again. When the bush calls him, when God calls him through the burning bush, what Moses say? I can't speak to Pharaoh. I don't want to go back to Egypt. I can't, I, I can't even speak to him. You're going to send somebody with me to speak. Many times we will find our position, whether it be Moses or whether it be Gideon, trying to discern the will of God, but not just discern the will of God. Sometimes when we discern the will of God, more of this prayer is not Gideon saying, are you certain, God? It's more saying, I hope that fleece ain't wet. Do y'all know that feeling? God's asked you to do something. You don't want to do it. So you're like, God, I tell you what, if you do this in my life, I'll do it for you. And you're praying the whole time he don't do it because you don't want to do that. Gideon's putting that fleece out. And I guarantee you, Gideon, don't want it to be wet. And then the next day he's praying it ain't going to be dry. God calls us and we have to move. But it takes great faith to move. It takes courage to move. Gideon shows us that great men, I mean, an angel of God, a chapter before this, looks at Gideon and calls him a great man of valor. And if you read Gideon's life, the last thing he looks like is a great man of valor. He's always kind of cowering down. He's always asking God for reassurance. He's asking God to, to give him more and more sign. I love Gideon because I'm so much like Gideon. I want God to speak it clear. I want God to reaffirm it. And sometimes I want God to reaffirm it yet again before I take that step because a step of faith is so difficult. It is so hard. But you will not accomplish the things God wants you to accomplish unless you're willing to walk by faith and not by sight. But I do not make light of it for it is difficult and it is hard. Look at chapter 7 as Gideon moves forward in this battle with the Midianites. He says, verse 1, Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will sift them for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall go with you, uh, or this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the man down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred men lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the three hundred men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept three hundred who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. 
If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah and listen to what they are saying. After you, after, after you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah and his servant went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was talking, a friend, his, uh, <clears throat> was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon, the hundred men with him, reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, uh, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. Think about this story. This is a fascinating story to me because it comes on the heels of the story of the fleece. God, if you really have called me, make the fleece wet, all the ground dry, it happens. The next night, he says, God, if you have called me, make the fleece dry and all the ground wet. And we see that it happens. And yet, then we come to this story where the Midianites have come in and camped out. And the other eastern people have camped out with them. And God comes to uh, Gideon and says, Gideon, I want you to go down and I want you to deliver my people. I want you to run these people out. He said, but you got too many men because Gideon has called a number of tribes together. And God says, Midian, you got too many men. If you go down there and you win this battle, you'll take credit for it. And I want the credit that's due. So what you need to do is you need to reduce your men. I don't know a whole lot about military, but that don't sound like a good military strategy. But that's what God tells Gideon to do. And Gideon, the first thing he's got to do is stand before his men and says, if any of you are afraid... If any of you are terrified, if any of you are, are scared in the least, go home to your family. Can you imagine standing before a group of men who's about to go into battle and say, if you got any fear at all, just go home. Nothing's going to be held against you. Kind of reminds me of the speech in, in Shakespeare's King Henry. It's this notion of... Guys, we are here for honor. We're here to fight. We are going to go into this battle. If any of you want to go back home, return. But nobody is going to hold it against you. Thousands of men went, okay, that's a deal. And they went home. Gideon's numbers shrank immediately. And you can imagine that 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 be true. Then God says, but Gideon, still too many men. Take them down to the creek. Let them drink water. And the ones who lap water like a dog will sift them. Ones that kneel down and drink. 
it's not based on military strength. It's not based on the power of uh, of the soldier. It almost seems as God is making these kind of arbitrary things. But he shrinks the force of Gideon down to 300 men who's about to go do battle with not just the Midianites, but all the other eastern people. And notice what God tells them, because I love what God tells them here. He says, Gideon, go down. I will give you this battle. But if you're still too scared, if you're still too scared, go down to their camp and hear what is said. Guys, God has just given him a dry fleece and a wet fleece. God has been there to encourage him and to strengthen him. God has been all up in his life saying, I am your God. And you are the one who I've called. And yet when it gets time to go out on faith, God still comes to him and says, if you have any fear in your life, do this one other thing and you will have confidence. I am so glad that we serve a patient God. Think about the gospel accounts. How many times Jesus looked at his disciples and said, Oh ye of little faith, how much longer must I be with you? Remember the disciples in the boat? Jesus is up front, passed out, sleep. Storm comes up and they're like, we're going to die and he's asleep. And they wake him up and they're like, he's like, Really? So many times he says, you faithless generation. Guys, he's patient with them. When Peter jumps out of the boat to walk on the water and begins to sink in the water because the waves are too, too high and he begins to look at the water instead of Jesus, Jesus reaches out with his hand and he says, oh, ye of little faith. He doesn't condemn them. He raises them up out of the water, puts them back in the boat and continues to walk with them. That's our God will walk with those who are not perfect in faith. Our God will walk with those who are not saints yet. Our God walks with us. But even if you are gripped in fear, even if you are petrified through anxiety, Our God is patient to walk with you and to build in you the confidence that is needed to act in accordance with his will. You just have to trust in him and take those steps as they come. I have no doubt that God has called you to great and wonderful things. I have no doubt That there will be times in your life that you will find yourself before God and in quiet going, why me, God? I've been there. I've looked at God and said, why call me? I mean, I could tell you about 20 better people to call rather than me. And the answer I got every time was, because I want you. I didn't think it was the wisest thing. Matter of fact, might be the, the, the greatest challenge to God's omniscience is that he called me to do some of these things. There's got to be somebody better out there to do them. Gideon felt the same way. And you can see each and every stage in Gideon's life, what controls Gideon is fear. But 
notice, notice Gideon is able to overcome the fear. He's able to overcome that which cripples so many. It is not easy. God's got to give him a fleece that is dry and a fleece that is wet. God's got to tell him to go down to the camp and hear a vision of a man. God's got to kind of walk with him, baby step it. It's not easy. But eventually, Gideon musters the faith to step out and do exactly what God has called him. Guys, we have a history of being a people whose God's got a baby step. No matter what God does in the life of our church, no matter what God does in our life, so many times when God calls us to act and go, what he gets from us is fear and not faith. At some point, we have to be able to muster in our lives enough faith to act. And when we are able to do that, then we will accomplish the things God has called us to accomplish. But I can promise you, if we're not able to do that, if we're not able to step out on faith, then we will never accomplish the things God truly wants us to accomplish. Gideon takes 300 men. Gives them jars, torches, and trumpets. And says we're going to win the battle. Why? Because when he went down to the camp, there was a guy in that camp going, I'm telling y'all, I just had the freakiest dream. And what it means is we're about to be run out of here by Gideon. Gideon hears that dream. He goes down with his men, gives them jars to crash, trumpets to blow, and torches to hold in their hand. And to scream out, it's for Lord and for Gideon. And he knew that the camp was already terrified. So when they heard all of that, they took off running. If you continue to read the chapter, the men of Israel then descend upon them as they run. And there's a tremendous victory for all of Israel. Gideon eventually was able to step out on faith. I believe as we look into our life and we look into the life of our church, what God has been building in us is a tremendous sense of what faith should be. Look over the past years of the life of our church and look over the past years of your own life and what you will see is the hand of God being upon us and the hand of God being with us. Guys, that's not just so that we can make it through that day. See, sometimes we think, well, God carried me through this day and now i got to do it again tomorrow. God is building in us a record of faith so that we can get to a point to do something great and something mighty. Scriptures say, if you will do the small things, then you may very well be responsible for the large things. We are in the midst of doing the small things. But if we continue to do it by faith, And one of these days, God is going to call us to do the great things. And we have to be prepared to step. We have to be prepared to walk. We have to be prepared to go hand in hand with our God. I'm not going to tell you that there's not going to be days in your life that you tremble in fear. I'm not going to tell you that there's not going to be days that you are shaken. I'm not going to tell you that there are not going to be days that you are frozen in fear. But I will tell you this. You serve a God who can overcome it. And if you will walk by faith, if you will walk by faith, then what you can accomplish, there are no limits to. That is where I pray that we will go.
PJ and I was listening to a song the other day. It's a song by Casting Crowns. And, and, and one of the things that they say is there's going to be a day where the fear that you have has to meet the God that you know. Guys, I'm not going to tell you that there's not fear in life. Life is filled with it. It's why it's stressed so many times in Scripture. It's why Jesus addresses it in Scripture. But at some point in time, it's got to come into the vision of the God who we know and we serve. Rise above your fear through the power of God, and you will be amazed at the life you can live. If our church can rise above the fear that we know and follow God in faith, we will do things that we couldn't even begin to dream of. Let us be people like Gideon. Not absolved of fear. Not above fear. But someone who has courage to overcome the fear. See, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acting in the very presence of fear. And Socrates, when he talks about courage, he uses an example of a uh, someone who's trapped in a whale. There's two individuals. One of them jumps down into the whale to save the child. The whale has very little water in it, but that individual jumps into the whale to save the child, thinking that the whale was full of water. The other individual jumps into the whale to save the child, knowing that there is no water in the whale. He says, which one was courageous? It's only the one who knew that there was no water in the whale. The other one thought it was safe to jump in. But the one who knew that there was no water in the well, knew that it was dangerous, and knew that it very well might cost him his life, he did it anyway. That's true courage. When you know the danger, when you know the fear, when it has gripped you, and you are still able to stand and walk. I challenge you, in a world that is filled with fear, continue to step. Continue to walk. And continue to live in faith. Let us pray. God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for being a God who is patient. We thank you for being a God who teaches us valuable lessons. We thank you for being a God who walks with us hand in hand. And Lord, I know so many times you look at us and think, oh, ye of little faith. But I pray, Lord, that we will overcome the fear that surrounds us so many days. I pray that we would overcome that which grips us. And Lord, that we might walk freely hand in hand with our God. I pray that we would accomplish the things you want us to accomplish and that fear would not hinder us. Lord, I pray that in our life we will do such great and mighty things that there will be no doubt that it was your hand and not our own. Lord, Gideon could not march in there with so many because people would have thought Israel had just beat the Midianites. But you left no room for that mistake. It had to be by the hand of God. And I pray, Lord, that we do such tremendous and wonderful and magnificent things that everybody around would say, only by the hand of God could that be done. But to do those things, we must trust in you. We must have faith in you. And we must be led by you. I pray, Lord, that with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength, we will love you, we will follow you, and we will serve you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.
this morning. We'll have a time of invitation. Any decisions that need to be made in a public manner, feel free to come forward at this time. If y'all will please stand.